Welcome to episode three of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five itsy-bitsy teeny-weeny things you need to add to your 10 essentials, the Summit Gear Review will feature a sleeping pad that fits your budget, the Backpack Hack of the Week will color your world, and we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, E.B. White. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. You know, I've heard people say, shave the ounces and the pounds will follow when they're talking about packing for your backpacking trip. I have a digital scale that helps me weigh all the equipment that I put into my pack before I pack it. Sometimes I use it so often that I wish we had an upstairs scale and a downstairs (laughs) scale. It's a little bit nerdy, but it's just a digital kitchen scale and it weighs items up to 12 pounds. So what I've noticed as I've been weighing everything in preparation for our next backpacking trip is that a lot of times there are inaccuracies in the packaging information and in online information for how much things weigh. In fact, in episode two of the first 40 miles, you reviewed uh, a pair of hiking shoes. The website says that those hiking shoes are 13 ounces, but the actual weight is 24 ounces. Now, I don't know if the website was listing those as a per shoe weight, (laughs) but I have no idea who would go out hiking with only one shoe. So that was a big difference. But yeah, you'll you'll frequently find those those, you know, often smaller differences between what the packaging says and what it really weighs. Right. I've never run into an an instance where the website said that it weighed more than it actually weighs. Oh. <laughs> so I would encourage you when you're when you're buying your backpacking gear and when you're getting it all ready for your next trip that you actually weigh it before it goes into your pack. You may be surprised at how the ounces add up to pounds. Make sure that you get a digital kitchen scale to do this. Those are very accurate. They can weigh grams also which a lot of backpackers enjoy using grams because they're a little more accurate. And then shave the ounces and the pounds will surely follow. So what you're recommending is not that you stuff everything in your pack and then get on the bathroom scale and see how much it weighs. Yeah, it's a little too late then. Weigh everything before it makes the cut, before it goes into your pack. And if you do that and you shave an ounce here and an ounce there as you're you're putting things into your pack, then the overall pack weight will take care of itself. Uh, We we kind of have this running joke when we see people that have brought a little uh, extra uh, with them, and you know, it, it ends up making their pack extremely heavy sometimes, even upwards of 50 pounds. And it's because they brought this little extra thing or that little extra thing, and they usually say something like, oh, it weighs nothing. Well, nothing weighs nothing. It all, everything in that pack has some weight. So pay attention to those ounces and the pounds really will take care of themselves. And some people nerd out a little bit and they actually keep track on a spreadsheet of how much their gear weighs. You can take it that far or you can just weigh it and at least know what you're putting into your pack before it goes in there. 
Well, that being said, we have a top five list for you, and it's the top five itsy bitsy teeny weeny things you need to add to your 10 essentials that weigh practically nothing. <laughs> so number one on the list of small things that you can add to your 10 essentials is a diaper pin. And why a diaper pin over a safety pin? A lot of people already pack a safety pin or a few safety pins. They're pretty lightweight and they're they're useful. Well, I'll tell you why I chose a diaper pin. I was recently on a backpacking trip where I actually did have to use my safety pins. And as I hiked down the trail, the safety pins popped open and I kept having to close them and they popped open because of the tension on the safety pin. Well, a diaper pin is designed not to pop open when tension is placed on it. It's a safe well, it's used for diapers. You do not want pins popping open. So it's safer a than a safety it's, pin. <laughs> ironically, yes. It is safer than a safety pin. And um, it's one of those things that is, you can use it in so many ways. It's a multi-use item. You can use it as a sleeping bag pull if the zipper breaks. You can use it as a temporary hole repair. You can use it to secure items to other items. You can also use it for first aid, for splinters or blisters if you like to pop blisters. Um, anyway, it's just a really useful item and it is so lightweight that you need to add it to your 10 essentials today. Number two small thing that you need to add to your 10 essentials is essential oil. Now I found some really great little tiny bottles at the dollar store. They were actually little breath drop bottles filled with some kind of mix of alcohol and artificial color and flavoring that were supposed to be good for your breath. But all you do is you pop off the top and empty it out, wash it out really well, and you can bring with you lavender essential oil and peppermint essential oil, which after talking to some people who, who really knew their essential oils, they recommended, in fact, several people, they all recommended lavender and peppermint as the oils that they would bring on a backpacking trip. Lavender helps with burns. It helps with relaxation. You can use it after you've, you know, sanitized your hands. It's a really great, just it's a soothing oil and you can use it straight. The other oil was peppermint oil and peppermint can actually help with nausea. You can use it as a toothpaste and you can rub it on your sore muscles. So those two oils are very, very versatile and you can add them to these little tiny breath drop bottles that you've washed out and reused and you'll have I think about 50 drops fit inside one of those little bottles so you'll have the perfect amount for taking on your next backpacking trip and it will weigh simply grams. <laughs> <laughs> the number three item that's very small that you can add to your 10 essential kit is a golf pencil. No eraser is necessary just a simple small golf pencil. Some people choose to bring a journal or, you know, a, a pen to write with. I would recommend bringing a golf pencil. And even if the pencil is broken, you can still use it. Whereas with a pen, if a pen is broken or if it runs out of ink, you can't use it anymore. You also have the risk of the pen rupturing and leaking in your pack. Yeah, that could be a mess. Pens also have the challenge of possibly not working when it's extremely cold when it's extremely hot, or when it's wet. The number four thing that is very small that you need to add to your 10 essentials is a razor blade. A lot of ultralight backpackers will pack a razor blade instead of a knife. It's basically a knife that has no handle except for a spine on it. 
that you can hold on to. Uh, you may not be able to do much whittling or carving with it, but it will do the job that it needs to do, and it's a very useful tool on the trail. And it can also be a pencil sharpener. You can sharpen your pencil with a little razor blade. But think of the things that you would use your knife for, and chances are a razor blade is going to do the job 95% of the time. It won't, it won't be slicing up an apple for you or uh, whittling a stick, but for cutting rope or for doing, boy, what else do you do with a knife on a trail? <laughs> <laughs> Take a razor blade with you. Uh, it'll do 95% of the things that a knife will, and it, it weighs grams. The number five, itsy bitsy teeny weeny thing that you need to add to your 10 essentials is a rubber band. Rubber bands are so useful. They can be used for gear repair, at least temporary gear repair. You can use it as a hair tie. You can use it to secure items together in your pack that you don't want shifting around. You can use it to secure a bandage. You can also use it to mark levels on your water bottle to monitor your fluid intake. You can use it as an eraser even, if you really want an eraser on your little golf pencil. You can use a rubber band for that. So a diaper pin, essential oils, a pencil, a razor blade so you can sharpen your pencil, <laughs> and a rubber band so that you can erase what you wrote with your pencil. All right, I don't have any of those things in my <laughs> backpack, uh, to be honest. How much do they weigh? Simply nothing. Huh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so here on the first 40 miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear. It gives you a 360 unbiased look at backpacking gear before it goes into your pack. Summit stands for structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. So today on the Summit Gear Review, we're reviewing the Ozark Trail Egg Crate Camp Pad. And we just picked this up from our local big box store. The structure, it's made of closed cell foam and it has a somewhat bumpy egg cartony type feel to it. You can see it has, you know, those bumps, but they're not really high bumps like a traditional egg crate pad. And I would have to say this, this pad is indestructible. Even with scratches, it still performs at 100% capacity. Utility, this pad is waterproof. I actually was able to trim six inches off of the edge to make it so it was a little more narrow to match my, my frame. If you do that to your closed cell foam pad, you can use the excess that you've cut off, that you've trimmed, as a sitting pad, which also weighs nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say this pad is fairly wide, so a lot of people have taken to chopping a few inches off uh, to save some weight and also make it easier to carry. The mass it comes at 72 inches by 24 inches by half inch. And so I cut six inches off of the 24 inches and made it 18 inches wide. The weight, it measured at 13 ounces and that was without the straps that it came with. It actually comes with two straps and I just took those off and left those at home. Um, and with mine cut off, I cut off uh, six inches off the end, it weighs even less. We have some really nice self-inflating mattress pads. They're, they're an inch and a half, close to two inches thick, uh, pretty comfortable pads. The thing is they weigh over three pounds, and, and that's quite a bit to take on an extended backpacking trip. When you compare it to this 13-ounce pad, or maybe even less, that's a big difference. Now, 
those safe self-inflating pads they have an R factor that's that's their insulation rating the R rating is about five on those um, any idea what the R rating is on on this one that you're reviewing you know this pad was so cheap it actually didn't come with an R rating that I could find okay so I'm guessing maybe it's you know around 2.5 somewhere in there so half of the insulation factor of of those self-inflating pads that we have but you know it's less than one-third the weight probably one-fourth of the weight that's a big difference so for maintenance of this pad I would just recommend wiping or brushing it off with a damp rag it tends to roll up on itself so roll it the opposite way each time and that will prevent it from curling underneath your sleeping bag and kind of you know doubling up on itself for investment it's under $15, which if you're going to be just grabbing a pad and you just want something cheap, fast, indestructible, this is a good investment. However, if you're going to be doing any winter camping, I would rethink that or um, maybe even put the money that you saved on this pad into a sleeping bag. I'm not sure what if it's better to invest in a, a pad with a greater R factor or invest in a sleeping bag that has greater insulation. Yeah, the pad obviously is going to contribute to your comfort, but the sleeping bag is going to give you the biggest um, bang in terms of uh, the additional warmth that you get for the additional weight. Well, for a trial run, I actually slept on it for one night and woke up the next morning with, with bruised hips. <laughs> it was actually worse than the pack bruising from the day before, of which there was none. I had no <laughs> no bruising on my hips from the pack. So the next night of our backpacking trip, I actually traded with my husband for his, his pad that he brought and actually had no problems after that. <laughs> yeah, so I got to sleep on the uh, Ozark Trail pad for the rest of the week. Uh, I had with me the Thermarest Z-Lite Sole Pad. It's the same weight as this Ozark Trail egg crate pad. Um, it has an R factor of 2.5. I'm, I'm guessing that that's probably fairly equivalent to the Ozark Trail pad. Uh, it costs $45, so it's three times as expensive. But one thing I really liked about the, the Z-Lite is that it's a folding pad instead of a rolling pad. So I found it a lot easier to find space for it in my pack uh, because I could fold it and, and have something rectangular or square instead of that round tube. So really liked it. Um, I continued to carry the Z-Lite pad, even though Heather was the one sleeping on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to let you know, on the next camping trip that we went on, I used this Ozark Trail Egg Crate camp pad with no problem because I brought pillow for my hip. And really, it's the hips that get bruised when you're using a pad that doesn't have a lot of squishiness to it. So the little hip pillow changed everything. And actually, um, I was quite comfortable on the pad with that little modification that I made. Well, maybe you're a backpacker on a budget, or maybe you're just a do-it-yourself geek. I am a little bit of both. And I love to save money and use my creativity to make something useful, especially something that I can use on the trail. So today's backpack hack of the week is a do-it-yourself plain air watercolor kit. So when you go to beautiful places, 
like Yellowstone or any of the national parks, oftentimes you'll see people painting, and this painting out in the open is called plain air, and it means painting outdoors. Plain air. <laughs> That's a new one to me. How do you spell that? It's spelled P-L-E-I-N-A-I-R. So a lot of times these people will come with a large easel, with canvas, with a box of brushes, with all of their acrylic or oil paints, and they'll just gaze into the canyon or into the forest and paint for hours and hours. But if you're backpacking, you don't have time and you don't have space, and you certainly don't want to carry the weight of all of that gear, but you may still want to have the plain air experience. So if you want to make your backpacking trip somewhat of a creative retreat, here is a backpack hack of the week for you. You will make a plain air watercolor kit. And here's what you'll need. You will need a package of gum that comes in a blister pack. And if you don't know what a blister pack is, it's where the gum is in those little individual trays and it's covered with foil and you have to poke your finger to get the gum out. Or you push it out. A lot of times medication comes this way also. And then you will need a package of liquid watercolors and they come in tubes. It looks really similar to toothpaste but a lot smaller. And you can pick that up at a big box store or you could probably even talk to a watercolor friend and see if they can squirt a little bit in for you. The set that I made, I used the six basic colors. White, black, red, yellow, blue and green. So what you'll want to do is take the gum out of the blister pack and save it for later. Then you'll want to squirt a small amount of the liquid watercolor into each of the holes. Now in the pack of gum that I used there were eight holes and so I just did the six colors and then I had the choice of either leaving two of them empty or I could pre-mix a couple colors which might be what you want to do. And then another thing you'll need for this project which doesn't cost any money, is you may want to have a little palette for blending. So just an extra piece of plastic from your recycle bin that you've cut out. And basically that'll give you a little place to mix, you know, a little bit of red, a little bit of yellow, and make your, your orange. Um, it's called a palette. And you'll also need a brush. So take a brush from your art drawer, or you can find one at a big box store and pick one that you like, cut it in half to save weight, and you can put everything in a little Ziploc bag and be ready to go. Um, you can also bring along a little water cup because you probably don't want to be dipping your, your paintbrush into your water bottle that you're drinking out of. So that could be something as simple as, you know, a milk lid from a gallon milk or a chapstick lid or just something small that you can dip your paintbrush in. Any kind of paper works for watercolor, but if you really enjoy the look of watercolor paper, it's a little heavier and it's it soaks up the water and the paint kind of has an edge on it when you're done painting. It's really beautiful. So have a couple pieces of watercolor paper or just bring regular 20 pound paper from your, your printer. Uh, the liquid watercolors that you're gonna squirt in the blister pack, they take about a day to dry. So this is going to be something you'll want to prepare before you go out on your backpacking trip, not the day of. And there you go. You're all set to do plain air painting. So you buy some chewing gum in a blister pack. You take out the gum. You fill the little blister uh, pockets with some watercolors. Let them dry. Find yourself a little piece of plastic for a palette and another little piece of plastic as a water cup. 
Find a paintbrush, pack up some paper, put it all in a Ziploc bag, and you're ready to go. How much does it weigh? Nothing. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to continue to bring my camera, uh, which weighs eight ounces. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I love the pictures that you take. <laughs> Thanks. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend, E.B. White. Yeah, by the way, he's the one who wrote Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little. He was also one of the co-authors of The Elements of Style, commonly known as the Strunk and White Manual. I love it. He said, I would feel more optimistic about a bright future for man if he spent less time proving that he can outwit nature and more time tasting her sweetness and respecting her seniority. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook, The First 40 Miles. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles.